0: Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer.
1: Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Bellevue Collection. I'm Michael Bumpus here at Bellevue Square Center Court every Thursday. Well, the next two Thursdays, I should say, man. It's been a long season. We had a couple weeks off. But now we are back, man. Lots has happened since the last time we got together with our people here at Bellevue Square, man. Uh, the Hawks have been—they've uh, been on a losing streak, and as of late, they lost to the San Francisco Ford. No, sorry, the Cowboys. We got the Ford ers next. Um, they lost to the Cowboys, and the offense did some things, man. Nine to fourteen on third down. Actually, let me back up. Moyer, how you doing, man? <laughs> I, I got right into it. I didn't even say it something to my mans, man. How you doing, Moyer?
2: Well, we've been out hanging out already uh, prepping for this thing. I'm good. Uh, it was a good trip. Went to Dallas uh, for the game. Really thought, man, we were going to win that game. Um, felt good about it going into it as well. And we should have won that game bump. I mean, we actually, we probably should have beat them by 21 points. There We just uh, – the, some key plays, three-fourth down plays that we should have executed on. One of them um, would have probably won the game. We were up five points at that time. I thought we just did some really good things offensively. But now, Bob, and it was good to see my grandkids and my kids. That was fun. But now we got um, we got a team of 49ers that, they man, they're, they're playing at another level. Another level. Last time we played them, I actually thought, We matched up pretty well. I was somewhat confident that we would compete and win that game. I I feel the opposite today, which means we're going to probably win Sunday. Um, (laughs) 49ers are just playing at another level. And I don't mean a skill level. Well, let's hold on on the
1: Niners. Let's talk more about the Cowboys.
2: Well, you're you're the host. Let's talk more about the Cowboys. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's the first question. There we
1: go. It's the Cowboys, right? We'll we'll get to the Niners. We know what they present. They beat up on Philly, got everybody shook right now, okay? But let's talk about the Cowboys. What the Niners – what the – (laughs) what the Seahawks did well against the Cowboys, man. Good on third down, 9-14, of the best they've been all year. The offense finally shows up. Geno Smith, 334 yards, his uh, second highest total of the year, three touchdowns, the most he scored this year. DK Metcalf looks like a number one receiver, 134 yards and three touchdowns. The positives were on the offensive side of the ball.
2: Yeah, and it would— uh, DK also what hit about 23 miles an hour on that one touchdown. Beautiful throw. And, and they really worked their corners, particularly Darren Bland. Even though Darren had a, an interception, he's got five interceptions for a touchdown, an NFL record. We absolutely schooled him for over 200 yards. Would have been worse. I one of the big plays, I have five plays that turned that game around. I mean, it's the first time in history that somebody scored 35 points, never punted, and lost a game. That was unfortunate. The sixth time in NFL history that two teams never punted in a game. And, and the Seahawks were really good offensively, but it could have been better. And what I mean by better is we had a fourth and one that was there. It would, it would have iced the game. We were up five points at the time. And we just didn't seal it off properly. We, we went for a fake that the guy tried to jump outside. We should have let him go outside. He ended up coming inside and making that play. Um, the, probably the biggest one, the guy that we count on more than anybody, who's the most dependable player we have, one of the yeah. coolest cats in the world. I mean, Tyler Lockett drops a, a touchdown on Bland, who would have had Probably giving up four touchdowns at that point, you know, pushing 270 yards. That would have put us up, you know, 13, 14 points at that point. So really disappointing. And then the refs. I mean, I I don't like to bring the refs in, but man, I mean, two pass interference calls. It just were not pass interference calls. I don't know what it is anymore. So frustrating game. We played really well. Um, Even I would say defensively at times, we had four sacks. Zach had not given up a sack or he hadn't been sacked and three games previous. Um, It's just the key plays, getting off on third down. And to me, the biggest play of the game for me personally was we had just taken the lead 7-3. to We had gotten a sack on Dak, It was third and 16. We're going to get the ball back. And they get a first down on us. And it shouldn't. It was a check down. And we had two guys not play it well. I won't go into all that. Those are the things we're used as a coach. They they weren't better than we were we just didn't execute on the key plays that you know if we just play football just do what we're supposed to do break on the quarterback on time be in the right position use help uh in tackling we win that game going away so disappointing and you know it's three games in a row now you know and and that ram game we should have won we gave up a fourth quarter lead, gave up 10 points there we're up eight points on dallas you got to finish games, man. Otherwise, you're six and seven and you're fighting for a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, you got to take advantage of these opportunities, man. Some more positives. The Hawks were four for five in the red zone. That's been a struggle, right? Six Third and downs six, in red zone. Um, also, six for six, what?
2: Oh, I said we're six and seven. I meant six and six.
1: People people are going to say, he doesn't even know what our record is. Um, Also, something that needs to be tightened up a little bit, just the penalties. Now, you mentioned that some of the calls were bogus. I I agree, man. I am a receiver, okay? I understand. If I played in today's game, I might – just be starting my media career like three years ago because nobody would be able to touch me, right? Uh, But 10 penalties for 130 yards. That's the second time in three weeks that they've reached about 120-plus yards when it comes to penalties. You have to clean that up. You can't leave it in the hands of the referee. But on the other side, the Dallas Cowboys had nine penalties for 127 yards as well. Time of possession has been an issue throughout the year. Uh, The Hawks possess the ball for 23 minutes and the Dallas Cowboys 30 Six minutes. Um, Dallas Cowboys put together some drives 12, 14, 15. Uh, Dak Prescott did a good job just taking what the defense is giving him. But you said something to me at dinner tonight, and uh, it it stuck out because, you know, I do a daily show, Monday through Friday, 10 to 2, bumping Stacy, holla at your boy. Um, uh, Curtis Rogers on the ones and twos. I see his (laughs) people's there, wifey over there. Um, uh, When we do this show, man, I'm surprised with how many people are still saying, get rid of Gino, get rid of Gino. I go, look, man. Played All right, well. you have to know who this team is at this point of the season, right? A 6-6 six and six team, so they're, they're mediocre, but they have the potential to put together some performances. Gino had himself a game. Great now, game. he did have the interception, but overall, what did you think of his performance?
2: Uh, it, it was the best game of the year by far because uh, he let the ball loose at, last week. You know, there other times I'm like, ah, man, you've you got to throw in windows. That doesn't mean to be reckless with the football, but you, you've got to take – the shots when you, you think you can thread the needle. And he did that, that first touchdown to DK. I mean, he, they tried to undercut it. They knew it, that he was going to undercut because Bland was always trying to undercut. He threw it high, beautiful catch, you know, great throw. He did some great things. There was a couple, again, I, I, I got a nitpick. I mean, there's a couple times, actually, one of them was that fourth down and four play that he threw to JSN. if he had stepped up in the pocket on that one, it was a beautiful pocket, but he felt heat on his on his left side, and he he retreated and threw it, it you know, kind of a hope throw, you know. So he could have had a darn near perfect game, but right. he played really well versus a cowboy team that's very good in the secondary, very good pass rushing team, great linebackers, safeties. Um, we're we're gonna need that again, man, because this again, I'm not talking about the 49ers. It, it's <laughs> going to be tough defensively. Uh, you were, we were talking about the rest a little bit. Right. Dallas had a drive for 75 yards. They went 40 because of penalties. On that drive, they had nine first downs. How do you get nine first downs on 75 yards?
1: That's a great question. A penalties. lot of penalties. penalties. We had five
2: <laughs> penalties on that drive. We had a holding penalty, uh-huh. uh, another holding penalty, a legal hit, uh, pass interference, a pass interference. It's like okay already i go enough i mean those aren't all holding penalties they're not all pass interference penalties at some point you hope they they leave it away but that's what you dealt with in dallas by the way man i am not a dallas cowboy fan anymore i don't like their fans i don't like i do not like their players he he
1: was in the lions den he did the show the pregame show for two hours at jerry world man and uh it's, you walked around. You got to know the lay of the land. But when the stadium got filled oh, up, you man. weren't feeling the vibe. They're, huh? they're
2: obnoxious. The press box was awesome. Their amenities are amazing. Their food, whew, man, you would have loved it. They had everything. I mean, halftime it spread. It was really good. I'll, I'll tell you how, <laughs> how how good it is in, in Texas. Post game, when games over, they bring out the keger, keger, kegerator uh, keg for the, the for the press. I'm like, They okay. bring out the
0: keg for yes, the press?
2: Yes, you can have beers on the post-game show. Let's go. I know.
1: Seattle, you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Me and my guy need a keg. You know what? Keggerators. Let's give it a six-pack. We'll be good.
2: Yeah. Six-pack. But, look, we played well. Really disappointing. Two of our last three games we, we should have won. And now, look, three games ago, we were tied with Dallas. Six, six and three. And they've gone on a run that's pretty amazing. Um, and and we've, we just haven't been able to finish the games.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's been tough. Now, we knew that there was a gauntlet in front of us, right? It started with the Rams. You didn't get that one. And then you get into the 49ers and the Cowboys. And you got the Niners again. And then the Philadelphia Eagles. And we all saw what the 49ers did to Philly in Philly. So, um, yeah, we know this is going to be a tough task uh, in front of us. So uh, we shall see, man. But you know what? I know you're excited about the Niners. I know my guy Paul Moyer, he watches a lot of film. He texts me at, like, midnight. I got to tell wifey, don't worry. It's Paul Moyer. It's nobody (laughs) else. He's got all these ideas. So um, coming up next, man, we'll dive into that opponent, the Week 14 opponent, is the San Francisco 49ers. That is next, and we are back right here on Hawks Live.
0: Presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports.
1: You are listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection every Thursday for the next two Thursdays right here at 7 on Seattle Sports Station. seven ten. we have Bellevue Square Center Court. And now it's time to look at this week's opponents, the San Francisco 49ers. They went to Philly last week. They beat the Eagles 42-19. to Brock Purdy had a day 19-27, 314 yards and four touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey carried the ball 17 times for 93 yards and a touchdown. Debo had a rushing touchdown. He also had four receptions for 116 and two touchdowns. He is the first receiver for the 49ers since 2001 to have three touchdowns in a game. The Niners have been rolling their last four games, man. They have won games by a combined score of 134 249, and the Hawks are included in that streak about a couple weeks ago. So when we look at this team, there's no denying that they have weapons. You got Debo Samuel, Brock Purdy, who people are considering an MVP candidate, Christian McCaffrey, um, you got George Kittle. Did I say Iuke already? I feel like there's so many guys, I don't want to leave anybody out. You got Jennings as well. Uh, You've been watching film. You've been studying this this team. Uh, What are your thoughts when you look at this matchup in the 49ers overall?
2: Well, they're talented, obviously. I I mean, you can make a case for, I was just doing it, 16 guys who are Pro Bowl caliber type of players. Um, They have talent. I don't know if their talent is massively better than everybody else, but they're really good across the board. I I think Debo Samuels is – there is not a, there's not another player really like him. I'm not sure if there is a McCaffrey either. Uh, their, their defensive line, all four of them are Pro Bowl caliber players. They're two inside linebackers. There's no question they're the two best inside linebackers in the league. But what makes him so great, uh, and, and I'll even throw Purdy in there. i got to give him a little love. He's having a phenomenal year. I, I consider him a point guard. Uh, he, he's got to have pieces around him, but he's a very good point. He's a Jason Kidd type of player, but he's not a, he's not a Steph Curry. You know, he's not a shooter. Right. You know, he's not going to score on his own. Um, but he, he got weapons all over the place. And when they didn't have Trent Williams and they didn't have Debo Samuel during their three-game losing streak, they, they only scored 17 points in those three games. So, you know, they're, they're talented. But here's what separates them. I, I watched them against Philadelphia, and I don't know if they t- – they play like that almost all the time, but that was personal to them. They kicked their butt. Mm. I mean kicked it everywhere. <laughs> and I, when I mean kick it, I mean their wide receivers kicked the wide receivers' butts wide physically. Right. Got in their face, knocked them on the ground, stayed on them. They were relentless. You watch their def- their, their linebackers. Man, I tell you what, if I was the Seahawks, I would put that film on. I'd say, boys, this is how we have to play. They're not more skilled than we are, but they don't – they never quit. They are sideline to sideline. There's never any – you don't see one player jog, not one. And I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's them, the DNA of the type of player that they draft. But when there's a play away, that whole team is sprinting. So you don't see a lot of missed tackles because if you miss one – the other guys, right there. I mean, you don't you don't see the missed tackles. Oh, man, they're relentless. The way they break on the football. Uh, McCaffrey. You think of McCaffrey, you would think of him as a finesse player. He's not finesse. No. Man, he's physical. He will run over you now, and he's got that kind of. You look at him and you go, Oh, it's not that fast. Oh, it's that fast. He runs away from fast guys. So they got it all. And Purdy is great feet in the pocket. He really knows where to go with the football quickly. And probably the best thing he does to me, it's not his accuracy, it's certainly not his arm strength, man, it's the ability to let the plays uh, extend and then check it down. And he checks it down when you get deep and lets his players get out in space and, and do their thing. It's the most impressive team I've seen in years, the way they're playing. They fight for every inch. You, you know how you, you hear the old cliche? You got to fight for every yard. Not them. They fight for every inch. They, it, it does not matter. You're out in the open field. If it's third and if it's first and, and ten, they, they want it to be second and nine, not second and seven. And I tell you what, man, if you don't match that intensity and that physicalness, I think we match up skill-wise. I really do. I mean, if like, you watch the second half of the game we played against the 49 we played well. I mean, we, we have players. But I... It's, it's <laughs> impressive. It's the most impressive thing I've seen in a long time.
1: Yeah, um, they had a good game against the Philadelphia Eagles. They were 8-for-11 on third downs, 1-for-1 1 1 on fourth downs. They had 456 total yards to the Philadelphia Eagles, 333 Um, here's a stat that sticks out to me. Discipline team, five penalties, 47 yards. Um, Getting to the red zone, taking advantage of every opportunity. Four trips, four touchdowns. Those are the things that good teams do. And also, when I break down the film of the 49ers, they do a great job of manipulating the edge of the defense. That's why you see all those motions and orbits and all that. What they're going to do is that last man on the line of scrimmage, whether he has his hand in the dirt or he is standing up. If you motion this way, you're going to shift your shades. Boom. They shift the shade and then find a way to bring a guy back. And now they pin the corner, and do a great job of getting on the edges. That's where they want to hit you in the run game. Now, in the past game, you've been saying this for years now. I've been working with you for about seven years now, right? And you've always mentioned, no matter who the quarterback is, it could be uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, it could be Trey Lance, it could be Brock Purdy. They want to hit the middle of the field. Everybody knows that they're going there, but they do such a good job of expanding the defense east or west and opening up those holes. So, um, again... When we talk about how to defeat the 49ers, I think there's always a common theme when it comes to, to you and I and the rest of the crew when we break things down. Stop them from hitting the middle of the field. But it seems like teams aren't able to do that.
2: No, it's hard because they, they look deep. Uh, last week, Brock Purdy had two passes to uh, – um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Oh, uh, Debo Samuel. Two plays he threw to him. It was for 48 and 46 yards, so 94 yards. The ball traveled, combined, four yards. And nobody blocked for Debo He He broke two tackles on his first one, and he just outran everybody on the second. So he's a really special player. McCaffrey has the same thing. I think what makes San Francisco better now... As Purdy's not afraid to throw outside the numbers, mm. and he knows where it is. Whereas the old guys, they didn't want to throw outside the numbers. They they didn't recognize it quick enough. He does. Now he has some flaws, and you've got to get around him. But he's really good with his feet in the pocket. Also, here's some crazy stats. Though, I mean, I think, we, well, they've throw, they're averaging 251 yards, uh, 255 yards a game passing. We're averaging 231. Gino's thrown it 100 times more than he has. Mm. You know, they're not throwing it that much. And so when I, you were talking about all those crazy motions and what they do and they run powers and they run traps and they run uh, ice, I mean, they run everything. It reminds me, I'm a, you're going to hate this, but it reminds me of Bellevue and the wing tee. And, and the reason why we used to run the wing tee is they go, they may be able to stop it for a quarter. But nobody has, particularly in high school, that kind of focus to be on their key every single snap. Every snap. Because if you don't on one of them, the play's gone. And I watched Philadelphia last week. For a quarter and a half, they shut out San Francisco. Matter of fact, their first two drives were three and out. The next two and a half quarters, they scored 40 some points and put up 450 yards on them. So that's what I mean is you got to want to be in it physically and not just physically. You got to be Focused on your key every single play. And I, I'll give you an example for San Francisco. I, I watched Fred Warner. It was an extra point And Fred was in his stance. And he was off the ball. He was the guy that, you know, they, they usually pull guys out in, in case there's a fake on a field goal or a PAT, right? And so he, he was in his, his stance as a linebacker. And all of a sudden, the ball's kicked, and he immediately turned, and he stared at his key. He didn't even look at the ball after it was kicked. It was, I, I mean, it, that kind of detail, attention to detail, he's focused every play. And I tell you, man, that's to me is what separates San Francisco from every team in the league right now.
1: Another thing that does is that at every position, they have guys who um, get Yards after the catch and yards after contact. You talk about getting to the football and rallying. You have to do that this week. So uh, 11 hats to the football. That's, that's simple football, right? Yeah. Rally to the ball. That's what they got to do. All right. Hey, um, come join us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court. Where we have a chance to win gift cards from the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Tonight, they are giving away gift cards to Patty Coins, Irish Pubs, and Japonessa. All right. When we come back, we're going to hear from one of the tackles, man, second year man Charles Cross. That
0: is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports.
1: Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection every Thursday right here on Seattle Sports 710. We're at Bellevue Square Center Court, and now we are joined by starting tackle, Charles Cross. Charles, how you doing?
3: I'm doing good. How about y'all?
1: We are good, man. Thanks for joining us on a Thursday. Um, Question, are you a Fortnite guy, man? Because that that old mad drop a couple weeks ago, my son was all on it. (laughs) Uh, You a gamer? You a Fortnite guy? What what do you do in your spare time?
3: I do. I do play Fortnite occasionally. Um, I actually played it, like, the first time, like, last week.
1: You, do you like the new, the changes? My son was complaining to me about changes of the game, and I just nod my head like I know what he's talking about, Charles. I'll know what he's talking about.
3: Oh, well, it's, it's different from the last time I played. It's been a while. But it's a, it's
2: a cool setup. I don't even get the Fortnite thing, but I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so out of school. I mean, I, look, I was a Nintendo guy, right? Uh, doing those Super Super Mario things along the way. Hey, real real quick, man, tell us uh, how your season's going for you. I mean, last year you played every game. You had a couple in, or an injury this year and missed a few. But, you know, just tell me how you feel the season's going and how your body's reacting.
4: Oh uh,
3: Well, as far as the season's going, you know, you know, just taking it one week at a time, you know, just trying to improve week by week. Working on little things, you know, just trying to uh, improve on the run game, the pass game. We're just trying to do whatever I can to, you know, help the team.
1: Man, you guys have had um, a lot of bodies, man. I want to say 9 to 10 different starting lineups uh, tied for the first, I believe, uh, when it comes to lineups in the NFL, when it comes to the offensive line. But now you got Abe Lucas back, man. Uh, What is it like having a guy? You guys held it down last year. I believe it was the first time since the 70s that uh, two rookie tackles started the whole season, man. What's it like having Abe Lucas back?
3: Man, it's always good. It's always good. Uh, it was great when Abe came back, man. You know, um, he just brings uh, another dimension to our game, and um, just uh, he's just such a great player. It's just great having him back. You know, get a better sense of comfort.
2: Yeah, definitely. It was nice to see him in there. I mean, him and Bradford uh, on that side—they're Maulers, man. They 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 can move move a pile and. Uh, it was it was good to see him get back there. Hey, we we knew this gauntlet coming in. You know, you had the 49ers, you had the Cowboys, you got the 49ers, you got Philadelphia. But Charles, man, you you have had to face the gauntlet now. I mean, you have had Nick Bosa, you've had Miles Garrett, you've had Micah Parsons, you have got Nick Bosa again. Man, just talk about that. I mean, I mean, mentally. Is is that tough for you? You know, to go week after week about truly the the best in the business.
3: Oh, um, for me, it was it was uh, um it was fun. It was, it was like competition. I I love co- competing. So for me, I feel like it was uh it was it was great. It was great. Uh, for me to compete, go out there, play against some of the best guys. Um, uh, so I feel I feel good about it. I feel great about it. You know, I'm excited about the competition that's coming up.
1: Uh, you guys are six and six right now, still in the playoff hunt. Um, obviously would we'll love to get a win this weekend. What's the mentality of the offensive line, man? Because you know, a lot of the love goes to the outside, right? But we all know it starts and ends with you guys, man. What do you think about the challenge this week and, and how how are you guys feeling about pushing this team forward during this playoff run?
3: Oh, we feel good. We feel good about it. You no know, just try to take one week at a time, you know, play together as a group, be on the same page. So that's how we look at it.
2: Watching uh, San Francisco on film, I mean, they're talented. There's no question. I mean, their front's good. We know that their linebackers are really good. But there's something about them that it's just a the way they get after the football. Are they on film? Do they appear to be the most physical team you guys play for this year?
3: Um, I feel like I feel like we play against a lot of uh, good defenses this year. You know, they're they're one of them. Uh, we, you know, we just got to we got to go in and we got to do our job and compete at a high level. What's um, you know,
1: as analysts and fans, we look at the game from the outside in. And we saw some of the calls these referees, man, put in y'all last week. And we're mad for you guys. You guys got to be in the moment, right, and, and still execute and get on to the next play. We're allowed to gripe about uh, some of the calls the referees um, have put on you guys. As a team, how do you guys handle that? Do you even acknowledge it? Or do you just kind of say, it is what it is? Let's move on and, uh, and get ready for the next play in the next game.
3: Uh, you know, we can control what we can control. So uh, you know, we just got to you know, say it is what it is and, um, you know, make adjustments for that and get better from it.
1: Hey, Charles, so, um, man, uh, you're, you're up here in the Northwest, the the second year that you've been out here. Um, you're entering uh, your second winter. You know, you got Christmas coming up. You got uh, any plans with the family? They coming up, or, or they kind of just let you focus and do your thing um, during the season?
3: Oh, uh, they they get a chance to come up a good amount. More, but uh, majority of the time, they, they just let me focus on – you no, know, I talked to uh, him uh, a lot throughout the week, so we're still uh, we're still having a great relationship. All
1: right, Charles, man, we, we appreciate your time. Um, enjoy, I guess, the new maps on Fortnite, the new skins. <laughs> I'm just going to throw terms out there my son say to me all the time he needs V-Bucks or all that, so I don't know what's, what I I'm talking about, it. Charles, man. Yeah. Hey, we appreciate your time, and good luck this weekend.
3: Thank you. That was all good. Right.
1: All right, that's Charles Cross, starting tackled. This is going to be big for these guys. This is going to be big. I mean, um, like you mentioned, you got Michael Parsons coming up. Uh, You've played Michael Parsons. you got Nick Bosa. Um, we all know what the defensive line looks like for the Philadelphia Eagles. They've been good over the past few years. I mean, what, 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 are, you, what are you expecting out of these guys?
2: Well, I think, um, first of all, I thought we protected pretty well last week, and I thought we did a good job on Parsons, who is – and you can have a great game. He's he going to get free right. you know, at times. Uh, you know, and and you know, the one play where we didn't block him you was know, scrutinized a little bit, even though on, on the board it looked like a good play. I thought he, he protected well. San Francisco, they, they sack us six times. Uh, two weeks ago, I want to say it was six, six, six times. And, you know, it wasn't all on the offensive line. And You know, you get behind, now we're throwing a ton. And, you know, the game can change at, at that point. We were trying to get some long routes. We thought we could take some deep shots on them. And with that, you got to protect long enough. And they were in their sprinter stance like they always, the 49ers. But, look, I mean, Charles, you watch him. Man, he, he's an athletic guy. You know, for a 300-pounder, I mean, he looks like a – almost a basketball player, the way he moves. Um, he's going to continue to get stronger, which he's going to need to do. I mean, the, the one thing about the West, man, the, the defensive lines we've got to go up against are, are incredible. So um, I, was, I was trying to get to say, hey, are these the most physical team you've seen? And he's like, eh, you know, <laughs> just, just one of many. So maybe right. I'm not seeing everything I saw uh, on film after all.
1: And that's a good point you make about the, uh, the NFC West. I mean, you got Aaron Donald, you got Nick Bosa, you got Armstead, you got Chase Young. Um, Arizona, despite their record, has been playing some decent football as won. well. And remember, Paul Moyer, we laughed at J.B. Long a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, when he said, look, these Rams are going to make a push to the playoffs. We did not believe them, and now it's all knotted up at 6-6. Six and six. Obviously, the Rams have the tiebreaker. It's going to get interesting here as of late. That's why I'm looking for that Rams-Ravens game. I want to see how the Rams – handle the Ravens. We know what they did to the Hawks over there in Baltimore. So, I'm excited, man. I know that it's um it's a tough place for the fans to be at 6 and 6 with high expectations, but they are still in the mix and there's a lot of football left to be played. But when we come back, we're going to go around the NFL and talk more football. That's next right here on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks, Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live.
1: We are live here at the Diney. Well, it's presented by the Diney Just You got the BLB Collection every Thursday right here at 7 o'clock on Seattle Sports 710. Myself, Michael Bumpus, and my god Paul Moyer, a.k.a. Moyer, will break down what you need to know about this game and other games. So let's go around the NFL. Just an update of what's going on on Thursday Night Football. The New England Pages are up 21-18 to 18 with about 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Pittsburgh Steelers have the football this is a game of the backups all right you got Zappy for New England you got Mitch Trubisky for the Pittsburgh Steelers I don't care who's playing where they're playing if it's football I'm always interested Moyer.
2: well I'm interested because we got to play Pittsburgh later in this year and their offense has been pretty anemic Um, I was telling you earlier it's really interesting because you know Tomlin their head coach you know nationally you know, I think we all respect him. I mean, what he's done, all they do is win, right? And uh, great, great program. And, uh, I was listening to a show today and how their uh, local media just trashes them. You know, haven't won a playoff game Which since. Which blows my mind. Haven't won a playoff game since 2016. That doesn't feel right. That's seven years, man. I mean, it's, uh, there's something to that, right? Um, the, uh, how he doesn't man his quarterbacks. Probably. So, stuff we, we're not in the weeds on that. We're up here, and people want to fire Pete Carroll. Right? At 14-year, all we, all we do is win. We've never had to really rebuild. We retooled a little bit and went to the playoffs when everybody thought we were going to uh, completely rebuild. Uh, so, you know, it's just perception isn't, isn't always reality. So I'm interested in Pittsburgh because, you know, to get to the playoffs, I mean, we're, we, we're not going to get the tiebreaker on the Rams now. They're tied with us. As a matter of fact, I think we'd lose most tiebreakers, so we're going to have to... Actually, have a better record than everybody else. Uh, we need the Rams to lose to to Baltimore this weekend. We we need to steal one this week or the week after. Uh, we're gonna have to win ten games. I don't think nine. I don't think nine seven is gonna get us in. But um, yeah, so Pittsburgh excuse me, or 9 and 8 is going to get us in. I think we're going to have to win 10. And that's why Pittsburgh is interesting to me.
1: According to the stats, 9 and 8 gives you a 63% chance to get in, but you're looking at what's in front of you. I think that's why um, you're saying that might not be enough. You've got the Rams at 6 and 6, the Vikings at 6 and 6, and the Packers at 6 and 6. So you're going to need some help either way you put it. All right, so when, when I say these words, tell me what organization you're thinking about. One of the worst the most poorly ran organizations in the last couple of decades the Jets the Jets we're going right to New York now Aaron Rodgers um, responded to um, some leaks out there that Zach Wilson was reluctant to play for the Jets because of, of being injured now Aaron Rodgers come back he goes that is chicken poop and that has no room when it comes to an organization trying to uh, change the culture and be a winning culture. Now, I hear that and I go, Zach Wilson, you are paid to do a job. You go out there and do your job. If you are capable of being the quarterback for the Jets and they ask you to do that, you go out there and do that. Now, Zach Wilson also, I understand where he's coming from because he's probably looking at that offensive line and, hey, man, ain't nothing out there for me but you're getting paid millions upon millions of dollars if it's your time to go out there and be the quarterback. You go out there and play some ball.
2: Well, Aaron actually was upset with the organization for leaking something, and he said there's been a lot of leaks, and he said that's where this organization Thank needs you. to 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 get their act together. We, there's no place for that, and it's hearsay, right? I mean, there's, nobody has come out and said it. Zach Wilson's denied it. I think he, he said, like, you know, hey <laughs> – you know, I'm not going to maybe be here next year. You know, what do you think? And uh, Who knows what, what was said there? I think they've addressed that. Uh, it's a bad organization. Um, I, I just feel like they've lost this team. And, and losing does that very quickly. And if you don't have a leader, a true leader, at the quarterback position to keep everybody in place, it makes it even tougher. And, you know, Aaron likes Zach Wilson. He said, look, he's a great kid. You know, I'm, I'm pulling for him. You know, he probably hasn't had the best... He hasn't been dealt the best hand along the way. But normally where rumors come out, where there's smoke, there's fire, he probably said something, either in jest or just, you know, in a, in a conversation. Man, there's no place. To me, there's no place in that, man. We, you, you play. You're paid to play the game. I, hey, you know what? My, my organization, it's the end of the year. Eh, I'm not going to come wor- work the rest of the, the, the year. You know, I'm, nah. I'm paid to show up every day and, and, and do a job. So, but that's just a bad go. Or Cleveland was, is obviously a horrible one also. I think Arizona. But the Jets is probably the worst organization uh, for a long time.
1: Yeah, the Jets um, had a couple years the, when they were decent, made it to the uh, AFC Championship game with Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez at the quarterback spot. Let's stay with the quarterbacks and talk about a local guy. How many Huskies do I have right here? Husky fans, Husky fans, okay. Well,
2: you can raise okay. your hand, Bob. All
1: I want to say to all of you are go Cougs, but I respect what the Huskies are doing. All right, give me the booze. I love it. I love it, especially when I beat them three times. I love it. Um, <laughs> but um, love that. Jake Browning. Jake Browning had an opportunity to do his thing, and I was happy to see that, man. He was 32 or 37 for 354 in one touchdown. And he looked so calm doing it. There was no panic, man. Um, We've seen a lot of backup quarterbacks get opportunities this year. Guys have been hurt. Aaron Rodgers started this whole thing the very first week, the very first play. that he had for the Jets, man. What did you make of Jake Browning's performance?
2: Uh, well, for, I couldn't believe his stats. You know, I, I knew he was playing. I was kind of watching it. But now of sudden, I was looking, and I go, is he, th-? like, he was like 28 for 32 or something. I go, that's, that's almost unheard of. I and mean, that's almost an NFL record type of uh, percentage for that many throws. Yeah, it just goes to show you. I mean, Brock Purdy's a, a good example. Browning's a good example. You got good pieces around you. And you, you you know when to get rid of the football. You know where to throw it. Browning was always that guy. He just didn't have a real strong arm. Right. Um, you, you can be successful, man. You don't have to throw a bullet 100 miles an hour. Uh, you know. You don't have to be the fastest guy. You can you can compete in this league. And so I, I thought it was great. I man, I was really excited for him. And obviously, just all that what's going on with the Huskies. Let me you, let me tell you, uh, Daniels from LSU. I'm going to do a little Heisman on this right now. He was an Arizona State quarterback. He transferred to LSU. I promise you, if he was at Arizona State with those stats, he wouldn't even be in New York. But he transferred to LSU, and he's gonna now win.
1: Hold on, hold on. You saying with forty touchdowns, yes. and ten rushing touchdowns, yes. and over a thousand yards, you yes. don't think he'd be in New York?
2: At, from Arizona State, you don't think so? No chance.
1: What if they're winning ball games? They so what-
2: lost forty-two to ten to Florida State, or forty-two to twenty, twenty-five to Florida State. They lost three games this year. You got it, Pennix, who's undefeated. He's beat Bo Nix twice. Bo Nix gets Pac-12 Player of uh, the uh, uh, First Team, uh, Pac-12 quarterback. It's a popularity contest, man. It's media. There's more media back east, down south. Daniels are going to win it. If Pennix was down south, if this was, if they were in the Big Ten next year, he gets this thing hands down. It's a popularity sure. contest. Pennix deserves it freaks me out because, they look, if you're behind enough, you know, you can throw. And by the way, they played crap this year. They played, I mean, they played some bad teams. But SEC, while they're top heavy, their bottom part are not good football teams. So that's how I feel about it. I saw him at, when he was at Arizona State. We're like, not, he's just not a gamer, man. He's just not that guy who's going to win the big game for you. And I still believe that. But i tell you what, I may take him, though, in the NFL because he is athletic. He's got a pretty strong arm. He's, you know, obviously the statistics are there. But, three, we, go look at the scale of when all of a sudden he became the guy. And he wasn't even – he was an afterthought. And all of a sudden somebody said, oh, he's got 40 touchdowns. What's the, he should be now the, the number one favored guy for the Heisman. I don't, I don't get it, man. To me, wins matter. A Heisman Trophy on top of that, and I know we're supposed to talk about the NFL – It's a joke anyway. It's not the best player. It's the best quarterback. So why don't we just separate it? Let's get rid of the Heisman. When's the last time a defensive guy won the Heisman Trophy? Couldn't tell you. Yeah, thank you. It's happened twice, I think, in history. That's all I got to say.
1: Though I agree with everything you just said. Should we save it for your show? I'm your guy. So I'm I'm just going to go against you. Okay. All right, and I'm going to say that you are just bitter that he left Arizona State and it was Charles Woodson in uh, 97, but you're just mad that he left Arizona State. He's going down to the bayou, and he's balling right now, man.
2: I'm happy for him, man. I, I, don't, I don't have a problem <laughs> No, I'm, with, I'm
1: with you 100%, though. I think Michael Pennix should win the Heisman. I think that— um,
2: uh, 12-0. If Pennix was at Alabama, and they're 12-0, same statistics, who's winning the Heisman Trophy? Jayden Daniels.
1: I'm just messing with you, man. No, it's it's Penix. I think Penix is the more NFL-ready quarterback as well. Um, I think that it's difficult to win all of your games, no matter what league you're playing in. You could be in a 3A football in the state of Washington to Pac-12 football. Um, It's hard to do because you got to stay healthy, you got to get lucky, you got to win some tight ones, and they've done exactly that. And they beat the Oregon Ducks. two times times. and it's hard to be the team of that caliber two times so much talent over there so i am a coug okay go cougs but i respect michael Penix and the huskies and what they've done this year uh it's been it's been fun to watch all right hey come join us here at hawks live at Bellevue square center court where you'll have a chance to win gift cards from the dining district at the Bellevue collection tonight they're giving away gift cards to patty coins irish pub and japonesa When we return, we'll go inside the film room. We got DK's 73-yard touchdown, Zach Charbonnet's 39-yard screen pass, and in the final play, Gino just couldn't connect with DJ Dallas. That is next right here on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome
1: back to Hawks Live every Thursday right here at Bellevue Square Center Court. Thursday, 7 p.m. on Seattle Sports 710. I'm Michael Bumpus with my man, Paul Moyer. It's time to do what we love to do, man. Break down film and make sense of some of the biggest plays that we saw this past weekend. Now, this first play, I mean, we were waiting for this one, Moyer. We were waiting for Mr. DK Metcalf number 14 to put a game together, let alone one of the biggest plays of his career, man. So let's get into it, man. Geno Smith finds Mr. D.K. Metcalf for a 73-yard touchdown.
4: Dallas in the backfield. Geno from the shotgun with three receivers to his right. JSN, one of those guys, four-man rush. Geno steps up, throws the slam. What a catch! There he goes! D.K., 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown Seahawks! 73 yards, D.K. Metcalf on a perfect slant route thrown by Gino Smith. Holy catfish, what a way to start this one for the Seahawks. You get a stop on D, you go right for the jugular, and the Seahawks go on top 6-3. To
2: and they picked up the third down. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to throw that in there. guy, okay, Dave Wyman. That's the fastest... 40, 30, 20, 10. <laughs> you know, again, Woody, it's the fastest.
1: 22 miles per hour, I believe.
2: 22.7. Like, yeah. It's the fastest of the year I, from, from. fastest since 2020. I mean, look, we know DK is fast, and DK knew he was going to get a touchdown, but I think he wanted to prove a point, yeah. too, uh, as well. Look, like, I, I wouldn't call that a slant. I would call that a, more of a skinny post. Uh, i call it a bang. Bang?
1: Yeah. That's why I call it five-step is a bang. I call a seven a post and a three a slant, you know, at, at least in my offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, he, he completes it at 15 yards, and it's just inside the numbers. We used to call it a skinny post. It didn't get mm-hmm. all the way into the post. It's not an in route. It's not a slant. Uh, two things on this. Uh, Dallas tried to um, disguise this, so they pretended like they were going to double or go over the top on DK cuz DK was a single wide receiver to the offense's left and we had three wide receivers to our right. And so Gino looked at the safety. The safety pretended like he was going to go over the right over the top, but he came back down. I don't really know what they were doing on their defense. I don't know why they did it. And Gino read it perfect. Uh, it's it's good protection. We we knew that the the pocket was going to get uh, it's going to be muddled at times, and you're still going to have to make those throws. But the pocket's nice, you know. They, and he, when he, he has time and he can step into the throw, you know, Geno's incredibly accurate. I think they practice this a ton because uh, what's uh, what's the corner's name? I've already drawn a blank on him. Bland. But, but yeah, thank you. He he liked to undercut a, a bunch, and that's how he gets his interceptions. So they threw this thing high, knew and he was going to undercut it. It is a. It's probably one of the best throws I've seen Geno make, and it's one of the best catches I've seen DK. Make. This is not an easy catch and throw, and you know the rest is history after that.
1: Yeah, this is when I knew he was healthy, man. I, I felt like the last few weeks he was struggling a little bit, and uh, what I think is I think that safety is looking for the crosser by number three and number two receiver on the backside uh, because you see the backer flow to the flat with the running back. So that makes me think that, okay, that corner probably has his deep third or quarters in that. Safety's looking for the cross route. Either way you put it, Gino takes him there with his eyes too, right? Okay, you're looking for the crosser. if that's the case. I'm going to take you there with my eyes, snap back to DK, and then, boom, put it on a line in a hands that's catch by DK, man. Uh, the windows are small yep. in the NFL. you got to be able that's to complete this pass.
2: That, that window is about the size of my hand. I mean, it's it, – there just wasn't much room there. And, you know, and that's what Geno's capable of. We saw that last year. And uh, this was the first game where I just, I just felt like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to throw what I see. I'm not going to wait for them to get open. Because um, at the time, he's really not open. Um, but he, he put it in a perfect spot.
1: All right, let's get to this next play. Oh, my gosh. You know what the Seahawks did? What did they do? They had a big play on a screen. Geno Smith finds Zach Charbonnet for 39 yards on a screen pass.
4: Second and 10, empty backfield for the Seahawks in Dallas territory. Quick throw near side to Charbonnet, was lined up wide, and he takes off inside the 30, breaks a tackle. 20, 15, 10, down to the five yard line goes Zach Charbonnet. Catches a swing pass as he lines up wide to the left side. Dorrance Armstrong, the defensive this lineman, the finally chases him board. down.
2: What you got?
1: Oh, you want him to go? All right, let's get it. All right, so this is what happens. You got an empty backfield. You got three receivers to the right of Geno. You got Jake Bubble and Zach Charbonnet to the left. This is just a numbers game right here, Moyer They know they're going to run this screen so you got your left tackle and your left guard who are going to show pass pro for a second and they release. So you leave two guys free, right? What the center does, he blocks down on that one or three tech right there and the five tech is free. You let him go. He realizes, look, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. He tries to reverse back up field and it is too late. What I love about this is you put your best blocking receiver on a corner and Jake Bobo, boom, you go and get him. Now you let the big boys go free you got two of those guys on a backer one lineman takes care of the backer the other guy goes to the safety and the rest is just Zach Charbonnet being elusive with the ball in his hands I saw this play and these are one of the moments when I thought to myself man I wish Moyer was here so I could see his reaction because Moyer would be going nuts if he saw this go down well you saw it go down with you're in Dallas with your family man Uh, a big play man we've been waiting on something like this to happen in the screen game it finally gets done
2: yeah, I I give credit to Shane Waldron on this too, because the last thing I'm thinking, I've, I've got Charbonnet and Bobo all the way out to my left or defense's right. They ain't throwing it to them, because I've got JSN, I've got Tyler Lockett, and I've got DK to the right. They got four guys over there. They're kind of confused too. They're they they get lined up a little late. I, I I'll just close it with this. What I what I really liked about it is you got Cross and you got Lewis, out quick and man you want to get big guys on little guys and they double team basically one of the safety linebacker that they had in at the time they shove him all the way out and then lewis sees it it's kind of like a it's a double team if he goes uh to my left and i'm going to keep going out for the safety comes to my right then cross would have gone to the safety and then lewis sprints man he's he's running at least a five two here, uh, <laughs> <years>, But he <laughs> knocks the safety on his butt as well. And that wears guys. up. a of he made him do a somersault. Uh, just really good. I loved it. it was just the whole game plan was good. It was just, just when you thought they were going to do one thing, we come back for a run. Then we run a quick screen. We run a screen that we would never think we would run. Uh, and we're going to have to have a bunch of that this week.
1: All right, final play here. Oh, this one hurt, Moyer. Uh, You got the game on the line. You're driving down the field. You get to fourth down, fourth and two with a minute and seven left on the clock, and Geno Smith can't connect with DJ Dallas.
4: Dallas shows blitz. They bring it. Geno gets rid of it, and he can't complete it. Geno is hit in the backfield again by Parsons, who has just been a terror, and that's going to do it. As the Seahawks just have no answer for number 11 tonight, Micah Parsons. No matter where he lined up, he seemed to be in the backfield the whole
2: time. What'd you see? Well, I, I, I really would like to talk to the players on this one. I, I think this is a design play. And, again, this is one of those you get up on the board and you, you draw it up and you go, this will work. And so they, they blitz us, man. There's, there's no question about it. They're sending six guys. And we've got five linemen. Actually, we really have a tight end at Chips as well and, and helps on us. But they decide they're going to leave Parsons, who's to the offense's right, wide open. I saw this. It was a Notre Dame game. I think it was a college game. Somebody showed this. Where the back came all the way to the other side. Quick. There, there's nobody covering DJ Dallas. If, if this is to him, he's got to go now. He cannot waste any time because we've got a guy free. And more important, he's got to get also past the guy that Abe Lucas is blocking. And that's where he runs into him. Um, I almost, when I looked at it again from the end zone, and I've looked at this play a bunch, and I was 100% sure I knew this play. I'm not sure that DJ whiffed on Parson. You think that he was
1: going to pick him up? I
2: think he may have been picking him up because he throws a – look at him. If you look at the end zone at the last second, he throws an elbow at him. I would have liked to have seen him come underneath Abe Lucas and just get out to the flat. There's no one going to be there. It's it's going to work. It will absolutely be a first down. If that's the design, if he was supposed to go over there and actually pick him and pick him up, which I would have preferred they didn't do that, but that's fine. Sometimes – you know, you're not sure how we're going to slide and how they're they're lined up. You can't always get that perfect. There's going to be mismatches at times. But if he picks him up, we've got JSN open on an in route. It's it's open. Um, so, you know, at first I thought that was the 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 Notre Dame play right. that people saw, and I said, "Well, I get it. Um, Notre Dame has better players than than that team." So um, again, fourth and two, I I didn't have a problem. Whether it I just it wasn't executed right.
1: Yeah, uh, we heard Gino speak after the game. He said that he was supposed to release. I think DJ just hesitates and, yeah. and doesn't get there. All right, hey, make sure you get up to the Bellevue uh, Collection Dining district. There's so many great restaurants to choose from. Today we had our pre-show meal from Patty Coins. I had the chicken sandwich. It was bomb. It's privately owned. It's a family restaurant, and they're actually from Ireland. They have a great happy hour, 3 to 6 p.m., and then they turn up again from 10 to 1 a.m. every single day. All right, when we come back, it's time to talk that talk.
2: Well, I've got to give Patty Coyne some love here. Uh, first of all, yeah, their owners, are local owners the nicest people in the world. They go there. It's a really cool atmosphere. I kid you not, it's the best fish and chips I've ever had in my life. It's not even close. And I've been fasting for 72 hours, so <laughs> I've been waiting for that. Um, so I did have the fish and chips and a couple other things. Um, didn't kill myself. But I'm I, totally honest. Best fish and chips ever had in my life. Go to Patty Coin and get it if you like fish and chips.
1: And I kid you not, the chicken sandwich was bomb. Yeah. Delicious. The food
2: was really amazing.
1: All right. When we come back, it's time to talk that talk. That's when we pick on some, uh, some topics, man. The Seahawks, will they make the playoffs? Is Brock Purdy the MVP mm-hmm. of this league? We'll let you know that's next, right here on Hawks Live.
0: It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live.
1: Welcome back to Hawks Live presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. The show is every Thursday at 7 o'clock right here on Seattle Sports 710. It is time to talk that talk. This is when me and Moyer throw some topics out there. He lets me know that he thinks he's right. And I, uh, I agree with him sometimes and sometimes I don't agree. So uh, let's see how we feel this time around. Moyer, first topic. This is my question to you yay nay let me know how you feel the seahawks will still make the playoffs this
2: season there's no question we're going to agree on this one <laughs> um yes it, it gonna be tough um i really we really we need to win this week and to make it easier from a tiebreaker standpoint because if we lose this game we're oh and four in our division or excuse me we're one and four in our division that man, that's part of a tiebreaker. It's another conference game. That's part of a tiebreaker. So I'd really like to win this one. I I think it's going to be tough. Um, I watching Philly on film. I think we'll beat Philly when they when they come here. But that would be four losses in a row, and yeah, that's that's a streak you don't want. Uh, we're go- I think we got to get to ten wins. I don't think nine and seven is going to nine and eight is gonna pull it off. Uh, I know it's 63% of the time it works every time, um, but I don't think we're gonna, I don't think nine and eight is gonna get us into the playoffs. So we, we gotta win one of these next two and then sweep the final three.
1: Man, if we played in the NFC South, we'd be right in the mix. You got the Atlanta Falcons at six and six. They hold the fourth seed right there. But uh, but you're right. Behind them, the Cowboys are nine and three, the fifth seed. You got Minnesota six and six, seventh seed, and then you have the Green Bay Packers at six and six, with the seventh. And then you have the Rams right in front of you. So no, I think we are going to agree on this one because uh, we keep hope alive. And we know what it's gonna take this weekend. It's gonna take a great effort. Can you cause turnovers? Can you limit yards after contact and yards after the catch? That is going to be key. But if this offense can do anything close to what they did last week against the Dallas Cowboys, you would think they would have a chance. But no, it's, it's going to be tight. And you put yourself in this position. Let's see how resilient this team can be.
2: Yep, you can't give up fourth quarter leads. Uh, they come back and bite you. And now we're in the, we're in the position we are. And I, I do believe Pete's right. We'll say when they make the playoffs, they will be battle tested. They will be a tough out because of the type of teams they've had to play and prepare for. And so these are playoff games. And, you know, we, we got we to shine. All right, next one. Man, this guy is having an unbelievable season. A lot of people think he's a system quarterback. But here's some stats on this guy. Um, He's seventh in the league in passing yards, but he's thrown it 70 yards, 70 less times already than just Geno. Right. I mean, that's not compared to some of the other guys. First in the NFL in completion percentage, 70.2. He's fourth in touchdowns with 23, which, again, I think he's 28th or 29th in pass attempts. That's a remarkable stat. Number one in QBR, 75.6. That's a crazy number. Number one QB rating, 116. He's first in yards attempt. First in yards completion. Brock Purdy, will he win the MVP?
1: Now, we know what type of award this is. The last time a non-quarterback won the MVP was 2012. I believe it was Adrian Peterson. And and all he had to do was come back from an ACL and rush for 2,000 yards, right? You look at this award, it's become a quarterback award. But look, Tyreek Hill's having a better season than he is. Tyreek Hill is on pace to receive over 2,000 yards. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think that um, other positions don't get enough love when it comes to the MVP but we all know what drives this league. Who's the first guy you see on the commercials? Who's the last guy you see leaving the field? Who does everybody want to interview? It's the quarterback. I don't think Brock, I think Brock Purdy, I think every quarterback is a system quarterback. You get in the right system, a system that fits you, you are a system quarterback. Dak Prescott, system quarterback. To a system quarterback. Even Pat Mahomes, the system quarterback because Andy Reid allows him to do all the things that he does. So when people say system quarterback, I'm like, eh, everybody's a system quarterback. You gotta get into your system. Him. But is he the MVP of this league? No, I don't think so. I'm going to stick with my receiver buddy and say Tyreek Hill right now is and should be the MVP of this league. And you know what's messed up? What? It's that a couple years ago, Cooper Cup won the Triple Crown and wasn't even really in the race for MVP. We know how this is going to go. A quarterback is probably going to get it, but I'm going against the grain. Tyreek Hill, holla at your boy.
2: Yeah, well, he, he's got some serious consideration. You know, I, I know that uh, Debo Samuel won't, but I I could almost put him up there. When well, I watched Debo? him last week, look, he's got 160 yards rushing. The man is he's at 927 yards. Or, I'm, to, I'm sorry, Ayuk.
1: Ayuk. Okay. Ayuk yeah. right now.
2: He's got 927 yards receiving. He's averaging 18.5 yards per catch. 18, five. matter of fact their whole offense they got Purdy eight. ain't even the best on his team George Kittle's averaging 147 Debo Sam is averaging 155 Jennings 14-1 one. I think we have one guy above that, those numbers um, I, I think he's under serious consideration I think if he gets the number one seed in the NFC I think he's going to win it now here's the good news for that the last The last guy to win the MVP and win a Super Bowl was like 20 years ago.
1: Who is it, you know?
2: I I, I want to almost say it could have been uh, uh, Tom Brady. I, I I don't remember. it. Or it,
1: Elway. I, I feel like it might have been Elway, it,
2: too. It, it, I'm telling you, it's been a long time. And you know what? We're, our producer's probably going to find it and say, that eh, was two years ago. <laughs> um, but it was a long time ago because it was one of those weird stats that you didn't really want to win the MVP because no one ever won the Super Bowl. Right. But he is certainly deserving of it. When you have those kind of numbers, and those are they're beyond great numbers, if he threw the ball hundred times more. His, it's not even close. He ain't
1: the best on his team.
2: But here, here okay. How about this? He's fourth in touchdowns. He, I think b- behind Mahomes. He, I bet Mahomes thrown it two hundred times more than him.
1: It's Let's just see, Mahomes throwing it three hundred and one times. What did I say? And it was
2: Mahomes. Was it Mahomes throwing it too? <laughs> okay. okay, Kurt Warner ninety nine before that. So I was right, other than uh, the, the great Patrick.
1: I was right, other than. Gonna bring my wife into the situation, huh? Well, there was some stuff right it was there. 20
2: years ago or 2022.
1: <laughs> All right. You say yes, I say no.
2: I say yeah.
1: All right. We got more to do. We'll be joined by Kenny McIntosh right here in person. That is next on Hawks
0: Live. Hawks, Hawks live. live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live. on Michael Bumpus with Paul
1: Moyer. We are joined now by Seahawk running back Kenny McIntosh. Give it up one more time for my guy. How you the. Kenny, I've got to say, man, um, we we, we we pretty much related, man. Cause your brother went to Wazoo, and I'm a cool so uh, that makes us family.
5: <laughs> I off just top. figured out the information when I walked up here. <laughs> I knew that was gonna happen. But that's crazy though, yeah, man. My boy Dion did go out there, and did his thing. He did his there. thing, uh, man. That believe it two years ago, thing. Yeah, he went out there, and went crazy. Man. He gave
1: us a run game when we really needed it. Uh, man. Definitely,
5: definitely. Uh, yeah. uh, I remember one game; it was storming out there. My parents told me they couldn't even see the field out like there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that, that's a and that's a long way from home, man. That's not even Seattle. I mean, that Pullman. That's that's
5: farther and farther, you know what I'm saying? I'm, a, I'm at the bottom of the mouth from South Florida, you know what I'm saying? Yeah that's, a, yeah, that's that's too far. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he dealt with it.
2: Uh, I, well, and, Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm taking you on a different route. I was, I was going to bring you there later. But, you know, his brother went to Notre Dame, and then he transferred to Washington State. Not a lot of people do that other than uh, Bumpus, who went there right out of high school. Uh-huh. But what what got him there?
5: Uh, to, to Washington State. I mean, so he ended up. Going to uh, Notre Dame, like you mentioned, um, after going, to, been there for like two, three years. I want to say he ended up leaving, went JUCO, okay, East Mississippi, left. He went crazy at East Mississippi, broke records there, and then ended up at Washington. So um, you know, he just had a you know a tough little journey that a uh, bad he made. You know, and, um, you know everybody goes through ups and downs and stuff like that. So you know, and um, fortunately, he got this opportunity to go. You know, play uh, in the. XFL, I wanna say. I, yeah. w- I believe in um Houston. So he got his chance. He's he steady working, he steady grinding for that opportunity again. So um it kind of worked out for him. Yeah. Was yeah. he on last chance you? Ah uh, man, they left the year before he got there. You really? know what I'm saying? They just left the, went to um I think it was Indy. Went indie. to Indy. Indy, yeah, they went yeah. to Indy. They went uh-huh. to Indy. They just left. But that's man, that's the school that everybody watched on Netflix. And yeah, everybody seeing the man yelling in the screen. I mean the stands and stuff, he was there. I went there actually to go see him there and witness it myself. So um it was a you know nice experience for him, man. Yeah.
1: Man, you um five hundred yards receiving your last year at man, Georgia. Yeah. Is that uh is that something that you kind of grew into or did you receive the ball in high school as well? I, I, I talking through it.
5: I grew grew up, you know, just wanting the ball in my hands, man. And uh I actually played uh different positions. You know, I was an athlete, this is an athlete, so but it was just something about that ball being in my hands. So um I fell in love with playing running back. So um it wasn't even just running back. I, I played, you know, multiple positions like I mentioned. So quarterback, just having the ball in my hands, man. Um, but when you mentioned catching. Catching the ball is something my dad always did for me when I was a little boy in the house, man, just tossing the ball with me. So, you know, catching the ball was just, a, you know, nothing. Nothing major to me. Just, a, you know, second second nature, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So it was just easy. So running routes and stuff like that and just being the athletic person I was, and, you know, it translated easy. So after I figured out that was a specialty in my game on the football field, You know, I just bought into it and stopped doing running back drills. I'm not going to lie. I started doing wide receiver drills. I wanted to run routes and, you know, be crisp in my routes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that because I knew that was going to be separation from, you know, me playing running back. And, you know, they already devoured running backs. And my dad played running back, so that's how I knew all these things when I was younger. So he taught me all this, always being in my ear to let me know about that. So, you know, I had to stand out and do something different in my game and, you know. Being able to catch the ball was something that separated me from a lot of
2: guys. You know. Well, you mentioned you're, you're you're an athletic guy. I mean, you yes. come from an athletic family. Yes. You, you mentioned <laughs> your one brother's running back at, at Washington State. I think is it a DJ RJ? RJ. Oh. Deion R-
5: McIntosh at Washington State, R.J. McIntosh at yeah. Miami.
2: He was Miami defensive end, played yes. in the NFL for, for a few years yes. as well. What other things you do in high school from, a, from an athlete standpoint?
5: Uh, I played basketball. Um, I, played, I ran a little track outside of my high school, you know, t- um, school. But I did track on the side, but basketball was mainly my main focus at the football.
2: Everybody thinks they can play basketball in the I'm Seahawks. A I'm a hoop. I'm a little Have you had to go and shoot in, uh, in, in the uh, I did there? a few times. I did a few times. I can't
5: tell you my record right now because. <laughs> 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 but, no, I did a few times, though, and, uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I, I get out there do my thing. No, I, I, I do my thing. No.
1: Hey, so you know how this goes in high school, right? Mm-hmm. There's three states that think they got the ballers. Ah. Cali, Texas, Florida. Now, I'm from Cali. We from Cali. Come on. And now, I went and trained in the NFL in Florida. And uh, that was my real when I go, yeah, these Florida boards are something different, man. Yeah, and man. one of my dudes told me uh, he played at Florida State. He went on to play in the NFL for a while. I don't know if he was gassing me up or not. But he was <laughs> like, yeah, man, we going to chase rabbits. I go, get out of here. You ain't chasing nah, no damn rabbits. Nah, that's real? No, nah, that's
5: that's real. That's Come real, on. man. People go out there and chase rabbits for real, though. Like, well, I, I can't even speak for myself. I'm from Fort Lauderdale. But I haven't seen and heard people from North Florida, up North a little bit, you know, up to that do that and Chase rappers. I actually played against guys on the teams, and you can just see the separation or the difference of speed that it is up there because I'm from South Florida, and, you know, playing against people from Florida that is, you know, up North, and, um, you know, everybody thinks South Florida got the speed. But going up North a little bit, though, them boys, uh, they chase little rabbits, that the man, and man, them boys, you can just see it on the field, just see the, the, the separation, that, you know, it caused on the game, so it's, it's crazy, different. it is different. It's, different. Hey, it's something about the water, though, they say, though, it might be the water <laughs> down there, the water might be different, though.
2: Look, it's something, man, <laughs> but now, with that being said, you know, Georgia thinks they got a bunch of athletes, too, which they do, and you, a Florida kid, your, your brother goes to Miami, Yeah. how do you end up going to Georgia? I wanted to win, man. And ah, like, there you go. Like, I, I, you I wanted to win. I wanted.
5: It was a lot of things I wanted, and that Georgia provided me, man. So, um, like, I'm bringing you back to high school, man. I went to a private school in high school, Davie, Florida. Um, not too big. We won. They won the um, national championships. I want to say two years before I got there. I got there in my eighth grade year, so I started playing eighth grade football, varsity football for five years. So. Um, that was another reason why I went to the school, to go there to, to play varsity football. So then after I got my offer to go to Georgia, getting out of Florida was like a no-brainer. You know what I'm saying? Because Florida schools wasn't – Miami ain't like the old Miami. Yeah. Florida not like the Florida or right. Florida. Florida State, they just had their best, best year this year and didn't even make the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So Georgia was, you know, the next thing up. And um I I ain't, I ain't get, I wasn't able to feel that, at, you know, at high school. Like I said, we wasn't in the, the biggest school. Like I could have went to St. Thomas is. everybody, nobody say yeah, Tommy's Aquarian is yeah. American heritage down there, but um, I ended up choosing Georgia because I, I I wanted an O-line. That's one or two me being a running back. I needed an O-line to to run behind the, that's going to protect me out there, and I wanted to win. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to go out there and, and compete with the best of the best playing in the SEC, the best division, and um, you know out there and compete with the best. Like I said, running backs, it was RBU first of all. Oh yeah, Georgia's RBU. Everybody knows that, and um, you know I consider myself to be the best. So. You know, coming from South Florida, we got a mentality out there. Um, and we're not scared to compete. So that's something I always had in my head when as a young kid. And man, when I knew Georgia was you know, an offer, it was a no-brainer.
2: Well, and when you did, I mean, not very many guys get to say they're a two-time, you know, college football champion back like you back, guys, did. Back, back to <laughs> back. But but Georgia, when you went there, they they, they weren't what they are yet. I mean, they obviously. They, right. I mean, great great name. I mean, I had friends from California actually. Went to Georgia when people weren't going to the SEC, but they just the experience going there, all the recruiting trip. Talk about just uh, Kirby Smart and what made it something so special that well, was no like better for
5: Like it. I said, they they actually were on the verge of you know winning. They were just going through Bama. Bama was that yep. bump in the road they couldn't get over. You know what I'm saying? So actually, I told this to Kirby before I committed to him. I told him I wanted to be the reason or part of the reason we won or beat Bama. So. Um, that, just talking to Kirby, man, uh like you said, I talked to him, had, you know, countless of the conversations with him and just how he kept it so real. Not just him, the whole coaching staff, the relationships we built on, um, um, the old line of coaches of course, you know, he just kept it so real with me and just made me feel comfortable, man, and, and I felt a brotherhood there. Um and that's something I you know I had at my high school and something I wanted to go into college. So um that brotherhood is something that, you know, caught my attention and also them, you know. They was going to the National Championship but just not winning because of Bama or going to the SEC Championship just not winning because of Bama. And I wanted to be, because of the competitor I am, like I mentioned, I wanted to be, you know, a part of that team because I knew we was. We were so cl- if you see the games, you know I what am. I mean. SEC Championship, they were supposed to win. And one call messed it up, the game. you know. So, so little things like that. And I just knew that Georgia was going to be the team to, you know, Beat Bama. They did more man. than that. You know what I'm saying? They did more than that. You know, yeah. God blessed me with two national championships, like you said. And, you know, not, not a lot of people can say that. So. No.
1: Longest flight I ever took was leaving Washington State and going to Fort Lauderdale <laughs> to train. That's the longest crazy. flight ever. I hop off the plane, and I'm like, I'm in a totally different place. I'm on first calling things Turnpike. I'm like, what the heck is the, <laughs> the turnpike? turnpike? And <laughs> they got big old iguanas in the middle of the all Turnpike. Right. I'm like, it's a whole different world, man. And, tell um, you, yeah. Yeah, I was there for eight weeks, and, and it took some adjusting, man. So now you did the opposite. You went from down there yep. up here, man. What, what was that journey like, and, and what are the differences, and, and how do you like it up here?
5: Uh, man, first of all, I love it up here. Um, I got y'all got me up here at a great time when it was the summer. The, the sun was out, you know. The, got the, you. Everybody, you know, everybody <laughs> was outside. You know, nowadays, like now, nah, this time of season, people not outside no more. You know, it's raining, it's, it's, it's foggy, you know, stuff, stuff like that. So um, that's the number one difference, the biggest difference there. But you know, down south, uh, that's I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of happy God got me out of that scene, you know. Um, like, I always experienced being away from the house. I, I'm the youngest out of my family, so I, I always did things differently. I was spoiled. I was able to do stuff different than my older siblings. Right. So I wasn't always home as much. I was always gone, so that's probably another reason I went to Georgia um, to get away, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, now that I look at it, I think God blessed me by coming up here, you know, getting away from South Florida, because, you know, um, it's it's the same. like people people that's not from there you know i hear all i hear this all the time people that's not from there and they go to visit they fall in love with it and stuff like that i grew up with it and seen it and did everything i can do down there you know what i'm saying so uh of course that's my home i'm always going you know go there i'll always be back there find my way back there you know what i'm saying but up here man it's just different man i just love the people here uh i love the fans number one i think they you know the 12s I'm saying, i saying i love them i think they you know special i think um the brotherhood here on this football team too as well like i mentioned and that takes that takes you a far way if you don't know that a lot so that's why i mentioned it cuz the brotherhood and, and what you guys do to, on a day-to-day day basis a lot of not a lot of guys can do it man and and it shows and um you know the beating for your brother each and every day it it shows a lot as well so,
2: yeah i mean i, I was going to ask you that that just that you, you talked about the the love and, and the brotherhood when you're at Georgia and obviously what Kirby uh, built there, definitely. is it similar here with definitely Pete man I, the every,
5: every I said it my fine not even catch up but everything since I got here man even the coaches can say man everything I've seen at Georgia I see here and I I, I want to say Kirby got it from Pete of course but everything is just similar the meetings the walkthroughs the practice. Everything just how how we go about things, how how he wants us to think, how Kirby you know, Kirby that's that's another thing. Kirby man do a great a tremendous job of getting the guys to buy in, buy into their roles, buy into what their responsibilities, you know, getting them to grow up and to be a man. And I think that's what took us far um at Georgia. You know, um we used to have these meetings called Skull meetings, just to, you know. Dive into your brain, man, mentally. Like we already know, we you know five stars, four stars. He don't care about that. Mm-hmm. He want to know, you know, if you mentally tough. You know what I'm saying? So that's the little things we did at Georgia. You now that got us far. You know, because we already knew we was gonna be physically prepared. But when they get to that time, how you mentally gonna be? You know, that's gonna take you far away. So that's another reason.
1: Do you hear about, because um, obviously Georgia put guys in the league, right? I'm sure you got dudes you play, but who are in the league um, at different teams. Definitely. Do you ever compare stories about how the culture is different, how experiences are different with, with your former teammates?
5: From, like, different teams? Yeah. Uh, of course, man. Of course. <laughs> a lot of guys don't got it like me. I can say that right now. Uh, yeah. Up here, man, Pete take care of us. Um, he do a tremendous job. I, I can just see that already now by, by how the old heads are on the team and, and how they take care of their bodies and stuff like that. So, um, a lot of guys on the team, man, they're they not getting the same amount of you know, love that we got at, at uh, dealing with Pete here and stuff like that. So, um, a lot of guys going through it like it is, like they still in college, if that makes sense. Going through camp like it's still in college, if y'all know what that is, it's, it's harder. You know what I'm saying? You, you got there with more pads on, you, you got there longer on the field and stuff like that. I'm not saying that we don't do that here or we don't compete because that's, that's, that's the theme of, the, you know, of, of Pete's. In memo, you know what I'm saying? So all it is you gotta come and be um put, put each and every day. So um I think I think I think Kirby and and Pete are, you know definitely one of the top coaches and they you know they dig the game because just how how mentally prepared they get us that's why. Well,
1: well you know like we're we're affiliated with the team right uh, yeah. we cover the games pre-halftime and post so we always ask about guys and we ask about you and, and the word is like you never have a bad day like you show up the same every single yep, day man, like- I,
5: I, I try, <laughs> sorry about that again but i'll try to you know show up and be the same person again because i'm you know like I said, I'm my brother's keeper, man. Even if I'm having a bad day, you probably won't know about it because I don't want you to, you know, feed off my energy. Because I'm having a bad day, you don't got to have a bad day. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I try to, you know, hide it. Even if I do have a bad day, you know, hide it with a smile. You know, everybody, you know, they, they can't tell you if I'm smiling, if what I'm going through, if I'm smiling and stuff like that. So, um, but, yeah, man, I just try to keep my energy high, man, bring the team together, bring laughter to the team, you know, be that, just my character. That's the type of guy I am, you know. I I can't play football. i will be angry. You know what I'm saying? I can't, I can't play football mad. I'm going to go out there and do something crazy. So, you know, me, as long as I be myself and, you know, keep that smile on my face, make everybody else laugh, and, you know, just make just make sure they're in a good mood and stuff like that. It's going to take us a far way, believe it or not. Man. So I learned that at Georgia
2: as well, too. <laughs> well, we, we could talk to you for – I really yeah. could. Now, I just – you know, we, we do this every week. We have people and – um, you know, just the way you think through your your thoughts on this, man, you mm-hmm. just you got a great soul. I, I mean, it comes it. Yeah. out, it's it's really natural. You, I got a real quick last question. Now you're up here. What, what, do, you like to do? To what, what do you like to do? Go <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you like to do on your free time?
5: I like to fish. Do I like you? to watch movies. I'm a good movie guy. Um, but I do like to go out there and get on that water sometimes. I cast it out there, ease my mind, peaceful. Um I like to bowl. I'm a good bowler. Though. I'm a competitor. Oh, I don't have to go Anything, on, yeah, what man. it is, doing, we can do whatever. Ping pong, trash ball, um, whatever. It, it don't matter what you do. Stacking up chairs, musical chairs, whatever it is, man. <laughs> I'm going to be a competitor and go out there, you know, giving my all, man. That's, that's something I like to do. So that's what I like.
1: Kenny, man, we, we appreciate your time appreciate coming out here on Thursday. Me, uh, you, we Thanks, can't man. wait to see what you do, man. We watch you during camp. We know we know you're on your it, way, yeah. man. I can't wait to shoot. <laughs> All right, man. I, give it man. up one more time for Kenny McIntosh. All right, when we return, man, we'll, we'll close this thing off. Give you our final thoughts. That's next right here on Hawks Live.
0: The Pacific Northwest is the perfect backdrop for the holiday season. J.P. Pedergast. hawks live presented by the dining district of the bellevue collection at bellevue square center court live on air on seattle sports welcome back
1: to hawks live we were just joined by kenny mcintosh man um, if you want to hear a great interview make sure you go back and you listen to that me and moyer have been doing this for about four or five years um interviewed 30 to 40 players and clearly one of the best ones that uh that we've had
2: yeah that was uh he, that's an impressive young man right there and just you know just the thought he has and uh his answers and you know they just weren't coming out you know a lot of you know like you come out of college I man. You're, you're coached a little bit in the media um but he's he's absolutely uh for real I he's he might be my new favorite player so <laughs> be pulling for him and you know look We we knew when we drafted him that he had something that was great. One, he could come out of the backfield, that he played at a big-time college, a big-time playmaker. I I really wish they'd give him some time. Yeah. He definitely deserves it.
1: It's about time. Uh, He has some injuries, but now he's healthy. Uh, We're going to see what he does. But we know that he is explosive. He gets his hands on the football he can go. And you're going to need those explosive plays this weekend because you know what the 49ers can do, right? they got four or five guys um, who are liable to take it 20, 30, 40 yards to the house. Um, So I'm excited just to see how this team responds because they lost a game that they felt like they could have and should have won, and now you're playing against an opponent that just reestablished themselves as one of the best teams in the NFL. Uh, So I I think win or lose, you're going to learn what the character is like of this football team.
2: Yeah, I mean, when we lost to the Rams, that was a heartbreaker, and we did not respond well the next week. Um, we When we got beat up by the 49ers, I thought we responded pretty well. I, I don't know what this one's going to be. I, here's what I, know. I don't think San is going to play as well as they played last week. They, right. they were determined. They played that game like it was a Super Bowl game. They play it pretty much that anyway, but you know, maybe there's a little bit of a letdown. We, we, we've got to win. The, the, the challenge is, man, it's on the road um it's on grass uh outdoors you know, just you know a lot of things you know from uh, that road game it's gonna be tough i i'll know in the first quarter though right and it's got to be we make this thing more physical than i have already i've always said that because you know the 49ers are not that big you know you have got to be able to maul but they're quick and they're tough so you better be able to match that and actually more than match that i mean you've got to actually put them on their butts so, tough game coming up, though.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. I'm, I, I want to see the, uh, the same type of assertiveness that we saw at Geno, too. I like what you said about that throw against um, the Dallas Cowboys, that slant to DK Metcalf. He made it look easy. That's not an easy throw. No. Right? There's so many things that you need to do. Take the safety with your eyes, flip your hips, get back, and now put it in a place where only your receiver can get it, knowing, like you mentioned, that Bland is going to try to undercut that thing. Um, assertiveness, and even him uh, with his rushing touchdown. There was no hesitation in his rushing yeah. touchdown. It opened up, he saw it, he went for it. I think that's when Gino is at his best, right, when he's playing confident and being assertive.
2: Yeah, and I, I really I, I want to get him up in the pocket. You know he he when he steps into throws he 's much he's he loses it when he retreats now again it 's natural to say, "Oh I, I feel cornered I, I want to escape right and I want to get right. out out of the pocket but the really good ones step into the pocket, and you have to trust it so you 're from California have you ever you know, been surfing or boogie boarding? Yep. Man, and you get that wave. I mean, you got to trust the wave's not going to crash right. on you. That, you know, you're in that tube, and it, and it goes silent, man. It's like mm-hmm. you're in a zone. And that's what stepping up in the pocket is. And uh, he did that. And again, I don't know what that degree of difficulty throw was to DK, but I'll bet it was one of the top five. For sure. You know, toughest throws yeah. to, to make All right. this year. So.
1: Well, you know, we got one more week of this, Moya.
2: Yeah, everybody, come out, man! It's holiday Last time. Last
1: week, we got. I'm gonna
2: be festive.
1: Got a thousand people in front of us right now, man. The the loyal 12s that we have, we appreciate you guys coming out tonight. And I'm gonna
2: bring my. I'm gonna wear my Christmas finest.
1: What you wearing? You want to match? I can't tell you. Want a match? Oh. You- <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, special thanks to Charles Cross and Kenny McIntosh for joining the show. Our board operator, Max Strobel. On-site engineers, the lovely Brenner Rogers. Production assistant is Chauncey Sanders. And our executive producer is Nassi The Seahawks pregame Show is live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bummers with my man, Paul Moyer. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.